now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Week one is blessfully here. In the words of the late, great B. Arthur, are you ready for some football? Uh, I don't know who said that. I made it up on the spot. I'm sorry. I'm just stoked. All the preseason nonsense behind us. The roster is finalized. Game one is tonight as the Super Bowl champion Rams kick off their title defense against the Buffalo Bills, which should be an awesome game. I can't wait to break down that game, the Patriots game, and all of the things NFL with my good buddy Rich Hill. Rich, you ready? Week one is here, finally. Yes, here we go. I am ready for some football, ready for the games to actually matter, ready for uh, hopefully the Patriots offense to pull its stuff together and look competent because it could be a long season otherwise. So uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. This is a really good week of football. I'm excited to break it down with you, uh, and and we definitely will. But before we even get into it, Alec, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I feel like that, that post-Labor Day week that they're in right now is pretty depressing because summer is unofficially over. Labor Day is kind of the final farewell to summer. It's going to get cold soon and it's going to get dark at 3 p.m. and all that nonsense. But that's all right because fall in the Northeast is a beautiful time of year. The weather's great. The leaves change. There's some really good beers coming up on the local kegs and the taps. Mm-hmm. And, of course, football. Football is back. I started ignoring my family again on Sundays, which I'm very <laughs> excited about. So I'd like to break down this whole week one with you. Get like some really good games on the slate. NFL does a good, pretty good job for that week one kickoff. But before we get into the actual games in week one, Rich, I'd love to talk to you a bit about the final roster cuts the Patriots made, the final roster they established, the captains, the IR guys, the practice squads. We haven't touched base since that final cutdown day happened. In my personal opinion, there were any, there weren't any kind of earth-shattering trades or cuts like there have been in years past, the Lawyer Malloys or the Logan Mankin situations. Mm-hmm. Anything stand out for you about the Patriots' final roster? Are you pretty happy with it overall? Were you surprised by anything? Yeah, I think most of it made sense. Uh, little surprise that Jelani Tavai made it at linebacker, but he's someone that uh, Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick really like. Uh, they think that he can provide some value on special teams. Um, and uh, in exchange, I'm surprised that Justin Bethel was released. He, I, I know that he was facing a really long uphill battle, uh, but he lost out to Sean Wade. Uh, the Patriots very clearly decided to go with the youth movement in the defensive backfield. You know, Joshua Bloodsoe, Miles Bryant, uh, you know, they got their two Joneses that they drafted. Um, and, and then uh, Brandon Schooler is an undrafted free agent, one of the two that made the roster along with Demarcus Mitchell. So that streak is still alive. But, you know, Justin Bethel, one of the best special teamers in the league. He, he was released, signed with the Miami Dolphins, who the Patriots will be facing this week. Um, but I, I think that's really the only pseudo surprise. Um, maybe I could hear the argument that LeBron Ray not making the roster after such a strong offseason could be a little bit of a surprise. But honestly, uh, you know, they went with the veteran presence of Carl Davis, uh, who provides them some of that nose tackle ability uh, that they, they need some depth for behind uh, Devon Godshaw and everyone else is more of that, you know, three technique outside guy. Um, so not like too surprising. I, I did want. Did you have any surprises when when they did their cutdowns? Well, I don't know if I got a lot of surprise, but I really thought Lil' Jordan Humphrey would make it as a special teamer, kind of that last receiver. Mm-hmm. He's on the practice squad now, so it's not like he's completely off the team. But I really feel like he did enough. There's always that one receiver that, that shows value elsewhere. 
He's a bigger body. He might just be a change-up receiver, but maybe that bodes well for the return of Tyquan Thornton earlier than we thought. Who knows? Mm-hmm. He's not a back squad, like I mentioned. And I also thought maybe Jeremiah Farms might sneak on. Um, but, again, that's a very crowded line, that defensive line, so I'm not overly shocked by that. So I'm glad to see we're not here talking about, I can't believe they cut Damian Harris, or I can't believe they traded Jacoby Myers, because that's something <laughs> they, they tend to do yep. in these offseasons. So this is the roster we're going with into week one, and uh, we had a pretty good captain. Congratulations to Mac Jones in his second year, already a team captain of the offense. Matthew Slater, of course. you got David Andrews. Jawan Bentley, pretty much no no shockers there for the captains, in my opinion. Yeah, Devin McCourty as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, everyone there, as expected, um, especially, you know, the retirement of James White. He had been a longstanding captain. A little surprised, like, Jacoby Myers didn't get the nod, but I'm also not, like, fully surprised by that because they like to keep it balanced. Some of the players that, like, had been captain in the past that didn't get it again, uh, you know, Lawrence Guy has been a captain here and there. Uh, so not fully surprised. I would say... There's two other things that I wanted to, to highlight on the roster. One is that there's 13 defensive backs. There's six cornerbacks and seven safeties, uh, which really emphasizes kind of the depth that they have at that position, uh, but also the fact that they only have four running backs, two tight ends, and five wide receivers, including Matthew Slater. So they're going very shallow at the offensive skill position and instead having a ton of defensive backs. Um, and then the other one is that uh, they've really tried to keep all of their draft picks in-house. So, you know, after a ghastly stretch between 2018 and 2020, uh, three drafts in a row that were pretty bad, uh, the past two years, uh, the team is pretty well together. You know, the 2021-2022 draft, uh, the Patriots uh, made, uh, you know, only one player, Will Sherman, a six-round offensive tackle, who is now with the Denver Broncos, is the only one that is no longer with the team. Um, but, you know, the eight picks from 2021, seven out of the eight of them are still with the team. Uh, and of the 10 picks this year, uh, all 10 are with the team in some capacity, whether IR, practice squad, or on the active roster. So great job with the, the player development and like acquisition of talent. Um, and, and honestly, uh, not even including the undrafted players. I, I think that there's a lot to like with the direction of the team, the long-term growth. Uh, because I think that this is, you know, even though the Patriots technically have one of the oldest rosters in the league, it's used very heavily due to Nick Folk and you know, Matthew Slater uh, and Brian Hoyer. So uh, that's totally fine that they're a little bit on the older end. The reality is that this is a very young roster and there's going to be a lot of opportunity for them to prove themselves this year. Perhaps this remarks a turnaround from a pretty lousy stretch of drafting the Patriots had a couple of years ago, and I'd love to see that as well. I'd love to see that turnaround. I'd also love to see another turnaround, Rich Hill, which is a win in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Patriots have lost four of their last five against the Dolphins in Foxborough or Miami, and they have their first chance to write that ship coming up week one. So let's get into that game. But first, of course, as always, let's go around the league. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, some really exciting matchups coming up on Sunday and into Monday. Starting tonight, Bills-Rams. Uh, I found out somewhere, some stats, someone read that Sean McVay, as head coach of the Rams, has never once in his tenure been under 500 with that franchise. Chance to start 0-1 tonight against a Buffalo team that most people in the AFC are picking to represent the AFC Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, this is the headline of the of a very strong week of games. 
I mean, honestly, I'm pumped. I <laughs> think you couldn't ask for a better uh, kickoff game for the season. Defending Super Bowl champs and then the favorite to win it this year. Uh, Josh Allen is the presumptive MVP favorite, so a lot of pressure on their shoulders. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills won this one, um, but we'll get a real understanding of where these teams lay. Uh, but this is I wouldn't be surprised if we saw these two teams meeting again in the Super Bowl. Yeah, they always tend to do this, a potential you know, Super Bowl preview somewhere in week one. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like The Rams are one of those teams that they're, they're absolutely loaded. Matthew Stafford finally got a good team, and I don't know. I think the Bills take this one too. Obviously, it's early to root against an AFC East rival, but a Bills loss here would help the Patriots cause long term. So let's go for the Rams here. But really excited for this game to kick off. I'm also pretty psyched for a couple other games, Rich Hill. Uh, not really so much from a, a kind of football standpoint for me, but from a narrative standpoint, the Baker-Mayfield uh, revenge game, yep. Brown-Panthers, should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, totally. Apparently there's been like reports of Baker-Mayfield trash-talking uh, the, the Browns a little bit, but also some disputes from Baker himself being like, whoa, 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 I didn't say that. Uh, so there's going to be some drama there. Uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out, especially, uh, you know, can't... <laughs> Can't do anything but root against the Browns, to be honest. So really hoping that Baker has a great game for the Panthers. Um, not the only revenge game taking place. Uh, you got the Ravens-Jets, which, you know, should be a snooze fest any other time. But, you know, you got Joe Flacco representing the New York Jets. Uh, he's getting the start because Zach Wilson should be out for the first quarter of the season with his knee injury. And so he'll be playing the Baltimore Ravens uh, at 1 o'clock. So that'll be happening the exact same time as the Patriots-Dolphins game. So depending on where you live... Uh, you might actually have to watch that game. <laughs> um, less exciting than the Baker Mayfield one, but all the more likely that the Ravens will just absolutely run all over this Jets team. That's why I will be at the bar, Rich Hill, because that's the podcast <laughs> where I live. I am not watching that one. I can't root for that. I think I think a Jets wins better for the Patriots long term for playoff hopes, but I just don't see it happening. I can't see Flacco really beating his old team. The afternoon games are probably the more exciting ones, in my opinion. You got the Raiders Chargers, the first AFC West matchup in a division that's going to be absolutely brutal. Those teams are all going to go three and three. Chargers can get off the Schneid and a really good opening one one and zero win against the Raiders. We also have the Chiefs Cardinals. Mm -hmm. The Cardinals don't start to suck until later in the year. Yep. They usually start off pretty strong, so that should be a really great matchup. Then the night game, Bucks Cowboys, uh, potential NFC Championship preview for some people. So uh, should be a really good slate of games that I can just be parked in front of a bar stool for the entire day. Yep, totally. Yeah, and like also throwing in that Packers Vikings game too at four twenty five. Uh, divisional rivalry is always good. Uh, new head coach for the Vikings should hopefully breathe some new life into that team. And Packers have had a lot of turnover, so how are they going to do? Reigning MVP. Uh, and then the last game of the week is the Broncos at the Seahawks on Monday Night Football, so that is the return of Russell Wilson. So that is obviously a great way to finish this week. Um, and so, yeah, it's a full week. We didn't even talk about Pulse Texans because there's nothing to talk about there. It's going to be terrible. Um, but then Steelers-Bengals. Uh, you know, the Bengals are a, a great team. Steelers are... Uh, not great, but they're never bad. You know, like they're they're never a team that's the bottom's gonna fall out on. So like they will likely be competitive with this Bengals team. So a lot of really good games. Um, but the game that I will absolutely be watching the most, obviously, Alec Patriots at Dolphins in Miami, 1 p.m. Sunday, September 11th. What you got? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Again, like it's at Miami. I, I want to throw history out because I feel like last year was kind of a beginning of a rebuild, and Miami has revamped. They brought Tyreek Hill in. 
this should be an interesting matchup. I mean, let's start with the Dolphins' offense with the Patriots' defense. I think the real big question mark for the Dolphins coming into the season is this is the sink or swim year for Tua. He has the weapons yep. now. He has some continuity in the system. He's got the confidence and support. He's flashed at times and shown some real ability. Other times, he's been really inaccurate. He hasn't quite had the the explosiveness you're looking for. He can't really lead the game-winning drive you're hoping for. So I think Tua has a lot to prove this season, and I can't think of a better way for him to make a statement than just lighting the Patriots up at home in week one. The concern I have is the Patriots lost J.C. Jackson. They have a decent cornerback uh, route, but not a, not a great one. And they have one of the best re- receivers in the game, the fast receiver in the game, and Tyreek Hill. And I look back some old footage against the Chiefs, how the Patriots handled him. After him smoking them a couple of times, it looked like Jonathan Jones was the guy they, they allotted him on Tyreek Hill with some safety mm-hmm. over the top this way. I can't imagine they'll deviate from that with their new secondary. So it's going to be a Jones plus maybe McCourty, maybe Kyle Duggar as a bumping guy. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to need need Jonathan Jones and some safety help against Tyreek Hill, which leaves the rest of the secondary kind of in some one-on-one matchups here. And there's some other good receivers on this team besides just just Tyreek Hill. So it should be a a long day for the secondary if they can't get pressure up front. So I hope that defensive line, which is the strength of the team, can get pressure to two and force some bad decisions. Yeah, totally. I mean, when you look at this Dolphins roster, Jalen Waddell will be a game-time decision. He is a game-breaking receiver if he's healthy and available. Like Having two Tyreek Hill-caliber players uh, is difficult for any defense, especially when you add in the the new offensive coordinator or head coach, former. 49ers, uh, Shanahan, coaching tree, head coach Mike McDaniels. Like, they're going to be generating a lot of space for these really fast players. Uh, you add in Raheem Mostert uh, coming out of the backfield. He's a sub 4 4 running back. Uh, Miles Gaskin, not like that fast, but he's a quick guy. Uh, so, like, they have a, a quick backfield. They're going to try and generate a lot of space. You add in Mike Jacecki, one of the better uh, receiving tight ends in the league. Not necessarily a great blocker, but a great receiving tight end. And then you have Hunter Long, who's coming into the league. Uh, or, you know, he's not a rookie, but he's grown over his time. He's kind of like redshirted effectively last year, didn't really play too much, but he's going to have a much bigger role this year. Uh, This is a strong skill team. Patriots aren't necessarily going to be able to cover all day long because it's impossible to do that against Tyreek Hill. I agree with what you're saying. Jonathan Jones and safety help against Tyreek Hill. Hope that Jalen Waddle can't play this week. But in all likelihood, uh, the best matchup that the Patriots have here is the fact that the Dolphins' offensive line is still not great. Uh, They're relatively weak. It's one of the weakest in the league. Uh, And and so Matthew Judon is my defensive X factor. If he's able to take over the game, generate a lot of pressure, you know, I'm not going to put the pressure on Josh Uche to to really do that opposite of of Judon. Um, But if Judon's able to have, you know, how he performed at the start of last year, if he's able to do that again, uh, that'll make it easier for Barmore uh, and a few of the players up the middle to generate some pressure and make Tua really uncomfortable because Tua struggles when when he has to face some pressure uh, in a squeeze perspective. He, he can do some backyard stuff out there, but if, if you squeeze him in the pocket, he makes a lot of mistakes. And so if I'm the Patriots, I want them to try and make mistakes, try and capitalize it because he's going to hopefully start forcing the ball to Tyreek Hill down the field, and that'll give some turnover opportunities for the Patriots' defensive backs. But it all starts up front with the Patriots. Uh, they, they need to generate pressure quickly against this defensive line, and uh, I, I feel like Judon would be able to do it. 
I like that. Yeah, the old line for the the Dolphins is their their weak link, and when you have a quarterback who's mobile like Tua is, that necessarily mean a, a bad thing. But if he gets forced into pockets uh, out of the pocket and has to roll, throw on the run, he's a little weaker there. So if Judon can collapse that pocket and force him some early throws, it'd be very helpful for the secondary because I think if he has enough time in the pocket, you can't keep up with Tyree Kill for three four seconds. You just can't. No one can. So you got to get the pressure on him. Uh, I'm staying kind of closer to the line, not right on it. I'm gonna go with Adrian Phillips as my mm-hmm. extra. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a huge day for the linebackers, the bigger linebacker. I think it's a good day for those kind of hybrid safety, Pat Chung, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips types. Uh, maybe Jabril Peppers has a big day today. Uh, so maybe the combination of Peppers and, and Phillips as kind of my, my defensive X factors. They, they stay closer to the box. They keep the, the defense honest. They keep the offense honest, excuse me. Help jam the run, and maybe once the defensive line led by Judon starts getting some pressure and they have to update their blocking schemes, you send them in on a blitz, send them around the edge, you bump off the tight end, you make Tua make some bad decisions early, and if you can rattle his confidence, uh, that could bode well for the Patriots offense. Yeah, totally. I, I like that a lot, especially if they're able to generate that pressure, have those quick checkdowns, then the de- the coverage linebackers, so that Adrian Phillips are going to have a very active day. Um, so if they're able to cover these running backs coming out of the backfield, uh, and even the tight ends as they're doing their out routes, that would be huge for them. Uh, I, I would say, honestly, uh, I always have a lot of faith in the Patriots defense for like figuring it out. But early in the year, they can have some trouble, especially, uh, you know, we're talking about this roster composition. It's relatively young, or, or I should say it is split. You have some people at the end of their careers, like Lawrence Guy uh, and Devin McCourty. Oh, we forgot. Dietrich Wise is a defensive captain, so that's also right. a, a thing. Um, but you have some players at the end of their careers, and then you they just really loaded up on some younger players. There, there's only a handful that you could say are, like, really in their prime. And you got, like, Godshaw, Judon. Uh, and then, you know, we could put Duggar in that mix, but I was thinking of Jalen Mills. So, like, there's a couple there. So, will there be young players on this Patriots defense? The Uches of the world, the Jennings, the players that don't have a lot of experience. You know, they have upside. You can put Barmore in that mix. Uh, any of the Joneses <laughs> in the, the secondary. You have players that are going to be put in positions where they have to step up in their, you know, first real time of, like, a lot of play. How will they emerge? Will they be able to do it? Um, and, uh, you know, this will be a really big sink or swing thing for them. Uh, but fortunately, this is a Dolphins team. The Patriots never have trouble in Miami. Never. No. Never trouble in Miami at all. They always win in Miami. It's great. Uh, maybe the, the kind of Tom Brady curse will not apply to Mac Jones. And we'll see very soon if Mac Jones can, can get a good win in Miami. Uh, Patriots offense, the, Patri- uh, the Dolphins defense. As we all know, there was not the most confidence-inspiring showing in the preseason. There was communication issues. There was some accuracy issues. The offensive line seemed to fall protecting. They seemed to be in this kind of zone-blocking run scheme that didn't really seem to work that well. But, again, it was preseason. Hopefully they'll be able to turn the page and come out swinging. Given what we talked about earlier with the roster dynamics being really more on defensive and secondary, not that many running backs, tight ends, or receivers – I still say this is a run-first team. I think they're going to run the ball a lot against Miami and not ask Mac Jones to do too much, but I think he's got some weapons that will allow it to open the middle zones up. And if they get the ball moving quickly with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, Ty Montgomery's making the trip, so they have that third down back. Hopefully all signs point to him being able to go. I think they have enough weapons to move the ball slowly, methodically, get some long scoring drives in. And where they struggled last year was finishing off drives in the red zone. So one thing I really want to look for as the season goes on is once they get down inside the 20, can they put six on the board instead of three? And a good chance to start that out on Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think when you look at this Dolphins roster, too, what is their strength? What is their weakness? I mean, they have one of the best secondaries in the league. Xavier uh, Howard, one of the best cornerbacks. He's playing against Noah Igbenogany, who's another former first-round pick from 2020. Uh, those are your top two. Uh, Nick Needham, I believe, is one of their slot corners. Um, but they also have, like, pretty strong safety play. Javon Holland is very good on the back end there. Uh, old friend Eric Rogue is that hybrid thing, so he'll be able to cover some things out there. Brandon Jones, like, this is a very strong secondary where is the weakness up here it's definitely up front i'm not going to say it's like a huge weakness i mean like they have a very strong rotation on the edge you know emmanuel agba is pretty good on the edge melvin ingram uh jalen phillips is a former first round pick you could add in trey flowers who they signed uh he did not come back to the patriots and so maybe they have a couple players and flowers in ingram that are a little past their prime but they can still give them good snaps out there um but like they're fine on the edge, uh, up the middle. Uh, they got, you know, Christian Wilkins, former first-round pick, very good uh, out of Clemson. Uh, John Jenkins and Raekwon Davis are their nose tackles. Uh, so, like, they're kind of shallow on the interior. And then at the linebacker level, you got old friend Alandon Roberts and Jerome Baker. Uh, and so they know exactly what to do against them. You can throw in Andrew Van Ginkle, who's kind of like that hybrid Kyle Van Noy outside, but, like, off-the-ball linebacker kind of player. Um, so, like... You, the Patriots are very familiar with who is on this uh, Dolphins team. Like a lot of these players are, have been around for a while or are former Patriots, so they know exactly how to to approach them. And I think the, like the best way to approach this Dolphins team is to grind them down up the gut. Like you're not going to win by challenging Xavier Howard uh, all day long. Um, but like where I think that the Patriots can win and uh, where my X factors lie, uh, definitely running the ball as you said, but my X factor is going to be Johnny Smith. Uh, I think that if the Patriots are going to have success through the air and like they will have to in order to win, they'll need to start building up these tight ends. And I want to see if Johnny Smith's growth that he's shown over this off season will materialize on the field, or if this is just another off season of smoke. Uh, and, and if he's able to emerge as a reliable receiver, big yards after the catch guy, as he's always been for this Patriots offense that, you know, is pretty shallow but has a lot of good savvy veterans if he's able to emerge if he's able to stress this dolphins defense in a way that'll really soften it up for damien harris and Ramondi stevenson to likely get a few big runs off uh, and that could tip the game in the patriots favor rich hill coming out of the gate swinging with the john U. smith x factor oh pick. yeah i'd love to know how many times when the two of us we both picked john U. smith's x factor classes <laughs> hoping it would finally be the game where we were right um probably more times we're willing to admit right now but all right i i like it i'm, I'm glad the confidence is there it seems his offseason's been good you know people are, are praising him he's got to live up to his contract again this might be a sink or swim year for him as well they only have two tight ends so it's not like they can replace him if he starts to suck so hopefully he can you know do good things i like the fact they're lining him up at fullback which is cool. He's an all-over-the-line kind of player. Maybe they're going to get creative with him and give him position to, to get those yards after catch like we talked about. Uh, my X Factor, through no real fault of his own, it's got to be Cole Strange. This mm -hmm. is his debut as a rookie. He's on an offensive line that didn't instill confidence in the preseason. He was drafted, quote-unquote, overdrafted by everyone who thinks so. The Patriots filled a hole that they made themselves by trading their other good guard to the Buccaneers. So I think all lights are going to be on him and protecting Mac Jones. If he has a weak outing, 
the chirping's going to start. How's he going to respond to that? So, you know, he's got a really not his fault again, like I said, but he's got a, a big, big spotlight on him, and hopefully he'll live up to the hype. And like I said, the Dolphins' defensive line is pretty decent. He's going to have some good blocking assignments to do, and as you mentioned, they're going to have to run the ball a lot to win this game. And when you're running the ball a lot, that run blocking is a very different thing than pass blocking. So hopefully Cole Strange steps right in his first game as a rookie, and he shines. Totally. I mean, I agree with that. That's a great pick. Good, honestly, go with anyone on this offensive line as being the X factor because uh, there are so many question marks. As you said, they struggled all preseason uh, when the lights actually turned on, if they were even available to go. So uh, we'll see how they they perform as a unified uh, unit. Uh, Isaiah Wind uh, made the trip down to Miami, so he's actively practicing. So he might be available. Uh, if not, Yonika Husay will get the the number likely called uh, to play opposite of Trent Brown. Uh, Ty Montgomery also made the trip. Uh, so Patriots should hopefully have almost everyone available for the opening week. Alec, I'm ready for some real football to start. I, I think that this is a Patriots. We've talked about this so many times. Bill Belichick teams are never who they are going to be in week one. You know, it, by the, the team that they are for the second half of the season doesn't emerge until week four to week eight. The first four weeks of the season are an extension of the preseason where they figure out what can we do. And this has been a huge offseason of transition where they've been implementing new offensive packages, bringing in new players, new faces, and just trying to figure out what it is that teams can do. In the same way that, you know, maybe quarterbacks throw more interceptions during practice because they want to know what they can do. Uh, and then maybe they won't make those decisions during the game itself, but, you know, it's worth that's the exact environment trying to figure out if you can do it. And uh, maybe a lot of the struggles come down to the fact that, you know, they're learning these new things and they're continuing to adjust. And so I'm excited to see some real football, to get some real opportunities to see what it is that the Patriots can or cannot do. What will they rely on as, uh, you know, their consistent production on offense? Can freaking Kendrick Bourne, you know, return after just a very disappointing offseason to be the player that he was last year? How will Devontae Parker show up? Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, like there is all of the talent here that you need to have a top 10 offense. Uh, but can they be consistent? Can they pull it all together? And it starts this Sunday, one o'clock against the Miami Dolphins. Alec, do you have any final thoughts on this matchup or should we go into predictions? Yeah, I have no final thoughts because, again, like you said, we'll we'll really have to see. Uh, I think the big thing I'd be watching for is not really an X-Factor, but I'm very curious to watch the Patriots receiving core against the Dolphins secondary. Great early test for them. It won't be a reflection of how they're going to finish, but if they can make some noise against a very good secondary, I'll be very optimistic for, for later games. It is a preseason extension, so overreaction Monday is very, very, very real. So if the Patriots do drop this game, get ready for a whole lot of doom and gloom around New England because that's kind of how we roll up in this part of the day. <laughs> However, uh, I think should be should be well overall. And I'd be very curious to know if this game were to take place, say, like week 9 or 10, mm -hmm. how different it would look. But that's not the way it works, Rich. It is week 1. we got to make the call based on the schedule. And so here we find ourselves going through the preseason. I won the first two games. You did have the, the, the Raiders beating the Patriots. Uh, in the, the score, last right? preseason game, which they did. However, you picked a score of 106 to 93. I was pretty a close. Ra a Raiders win, uh, which leads me to believe you have no respect for preseason <laughs> predictions whatsoever. <laughs> and a man that has so little respect for preseason predictions does not deserve to get the first overall pick of the season. So I am going to go first, and it's nobody's fault but yours. So you can suck on that one. I, I accept your punishment humbly. All right. So here we go. Patriots at Miami. 
Like I said, the Pats have lost four of the last five. Miami has been a house of horrors for the Patriots historically. It's going to be really hot and humid. I think this game is not going to be indicative of the quality or the caliber of these two teams. Uh, I had this game marked as a loss when the schedule first came out, and I'm going to have to stick with that. I think they, they open up uh, with some good things, some good positives to take away, but Tyreek Hill gets away for one, or they give up one big play, and it could be one of those things that, that ends up deciding the game. I don't think it'll be a massively high-scoring game because both defenses are pretty solid, but I think the Dolphins have taken this game something like 23-18. to 18. That'll be a... Uh... That'll be a disappointing way to start the season. I'm actually going to make this easy for us because I have the Patriots winning in a similarly gross game. Uh, I, I think that uh, the Mac Jones will overcome the Tom Brady Miami curse. I think that uh, we're underrating the Devontae Parker revenge game component of it. Um, I, I think that this is a game that like, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any measure, but I think that this is going to be a slog. This is the first game of the season, two teams that always play each other relatively closely. I think it might come down to a late Nick Folk field goal uh, or maybe a late defensive stand. But I have the Patriots beating the Dolphins in this one, 20-17. to 20-17, to 17. Patriots on a late Nick Folk field goal. I like it. There's always a couple games every year that come down to that one play, like Miami Patriots last year, the Damian Harris goal line fumble. So maybe it'll swing in our way this way. I always like when we pick different teams because it makes it a lot easier for me to figure out who wins. Uh, I'd love to lose this one. I'm glad to see you having a more respectable score to this game. It's back where it needs to be. I meant 200 to 170. (laughs) Awesome, man. Well, look, it's been an absolute blast breaking on the preseason, but I'm glad that's over. Psyched to break down this game after it's over next week on the Path Pulpit Podcast. Uh, But overall, man, it's good to be back with you, and here's to a good season. All right, absolutely. We're on to the Dolphins. Alec, until next time, you have a good one. You too, man. See ya.